you know, when you buy your first property <laughs> and you can see it and you do the math and you go, I can actually do this. I see a path. And you know, you get that feeling like I'm meant for more. I'm built for something greater than what I'm doing now. And that was what I felt. And so when I got into real estate, I saw a clear path to a goal that I thought that was really difficult, if not near and unattainable. And I saw it and, and I just figured, okay, if I buy this, then this, and, and it just worked. Welcome to the Investing RN Podcast, your number one resource for nurses and healthcare professionals who want to take control of their financial well-being and build a life of abundance and freedom. Hosted by Josh Condado and Colin Davis. Each week, we bring you insightful interviews with successful nurses, entrepreneurs, and experts in the field. Together, we'll explore the world of investing, uncover strategies to overcome challenges, and inspire you to create a thriving portfolio. Whether you're a new nurse, just starting out, or a seasoned veteran, Investing RN is here to equip you with the knowledge, tools, and inspiration you need to invest your time, money, and relationships wisely. Welcome back to the Investing RN podcast. Today, we're interviewing Ricky Rodriguez. He definitely has a baseball name. I like him for that. Ricky Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. So he's a, he's a nurse and fire chief. And he talks all about investing and just putting in the reps. And lo and behold, you become a millionaire. And he speaks to that. <laughs> he speaks to that directly. So he's doing it through real estate. Um, he's doing some uh, short-term stuff, long-term and he started a local meetup in town, which is pretty cool. I think that's where he's meeting some other people that he's investing with and just providing a resource for. So definitely motivated me to get out there and start a meetup group in my local area, which I have not done yet. But he, he motivated him. But, I, so. but, he, but I'm going to. I, I promise I will. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> What's the scouts thing? I don't know. Anyways, uh, I'll do it. Say I won't. All right. We'll see you on the episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to the Investing RN podcast. Today we have Ricky Rodriguez. He's a nurse, a firefighter, got some kids. He's got some real estate. Uh, and he's he's an entrepreneur and businessman. So we're going to dive into everything that you've done. And I think we'd like to get started with how how you were introduced into nursing. So you started with nursing, right? No, actually, I started in the fire service. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I tell you, man, I was in the fire service. I had my kids at a very young age. I always tell people there's three things I've never been. I've never been an adult without kids. I've never had my own bedroom and I've never been a bachelor. I've been with my wife since I was 11 years old. Become a nurse was almost a necessity at the beginning. It was a way for firefighters or for me to double my income and a way for me to have a little bit of security because a lot of times we assume in the fire service that you're going to make it to the end, you know, and what is that end? Could be 30, could be 35 in your career. But in between there, you can get hurt, injured. And I needed a way to be able to provide for my family. And so that's when, uh, you know, I decided that, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this nursing route. And uh, that led me to become a nurse. Become a nurse. So you, I, I was listening to one of your other podcast episodes right before this. And, um, and so you had it, you had your first kid when you were really young, right? Yes, I was 17. Mm-hmm. 17. So that actually speaks to me because I, I had my first kid when I was 20. Not quite 17, but it still came out of yeah, a big surprise. And much like you, I, I went from the dorm at college to married with my wife and the kids. So I never had a single day as a bachelor either. 
No, man. <laughs> so what did that like, what, what type of challenges did you have to work through? Because I mean, going through nursing school is not easy in the first place. And then doing it with a family and with a kid that kind of brings on its own challenges. So how did you, how, what did that look like for you? Well, I'll tell you, Josh, I've always been a motivated person, but, um, to me, taking care of my family was, was an honor. And, um, uh, you know, I grew up, uh, my stepfather raised me. So, um, I saw how, uh, you know, he represented to me what it, what it, what it was to be a man, what it was to be a father. And so I wanted to emulate him and he worked hard. And so, um, you know, there was difficult times making ends meet and I just was extremely motivated, but I tell you, it was challenging. I'd go to work for 24 hours at the fire department and usually, um, because we're doing training or running calls or what have you, I didn't have much time to actually study. So I was studying when everyone else was sleeping. So I'm sure I was sleep deprived. I'd get off a uh, shift and go right into nursing school. And back then we had the CDs, right? So you put the CD, my study guide for fun, fundies, fundamentals, <laughs> and put the CD in there. And I just listened to it because I had like an hour plus drive to go to work. Um, that was huge. But they were just a, you know, burn the ships mentality. There was no way I could fail. I had three little ones and a wife counting on me. And I talked, the motivation level was just to the roof. I think that hard work I emulated from my, from my stepfather, he taught me that. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you started in the uh, fire department at, I don't know what age you can start there. Is it 18 or how old, are, how old are you when you started in the fire department? Yeah, so I, I started there when I was 22. Yeah, I got hired when I was 22 and because uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I got hired on and then I was working my career and I was, you know, ticking up the ranks pretty good. So when I was actually studying for nursing school, I was also studying to be um, a lieutenant within my fire department, which also is a lot of work. So, man, I tell you, if I didn't have a calendar to keep track of my day, there's no way I could have managed. And I still do that to this day. I'm extremely organized when it comes to my time management which allowed me to study for a captain's test, be good in my job, be good as a husband and a father. I also coach the kids in their sports and then study for nursing. So when people give me an excuse, I think one of the advantages I have whenever I'm coaching someone is you can't tell me an excuse that's not where you can't overcome because I've done it, you know, and, I, and I'm a product of you can overcome. It's just how bad do you want it? So I was, I did ER nursing for about 10, 11 years, and I was considering going to the LA fire department because I live in Los Angeles. I, I applied, never got through, and then just kind of changed my plans. But how did you find it going from fire to nursing? And what, what area of nursing were you in? So I was, it's, it's pretty cool. I was in ER too. I did um, about 10 years in ER as well, did some, some charge nursing. And uh, I was going to, you know, I threatened to go up to the cardiac area, um, CVICU, and I said, you know what, ER is my thing, you know what I mean? It, it jives well with the fire service, you know, because we kind of we kind of get you, save your life, get your old bandage up, and then transfer you, right? <laughs> so in the fire service, we we back up into a, a ER bay, and we transfer to the ER department. And in the ER, we transfer you upstairs somewhere or on a helicopter because you're flying to another hospital. So it kind of just fit with my skill set you know, doing, doing the nurse and in the ER. I loved it. I really, I tell people all the time, I love being a nurse. There was no reason I left other than time management. And I had been working so many jobs for so long, whether it's teaching, nursing, fire department. I mean, I even threw in, had a newspaper route. So I was like, okay, I'm making enough money. It's time to start shedding the load on some things. 
And then just to regain my focus into real estate, um, I had to let nursing go, which hurt a lot because I made a lot of great friends there. So originally you you did the nursing route more of as just a, in, to, a way to increase your income potential, right? Correct. You were doing it simultaneously with fire. Did you ever leave the fire department or were you doing it simultaneously the entire time? Simultaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but I'm still in the fire service. I can retire in about three years. So it depends. I may retire and focus full time on a real estate or, um, you know, if other career paths open and I feel like I want to continue serving, then I will continue working in the fire service. That decision is is still um, to come. <laughs> Sounds like you got a lot of options. <laughs> yeah. And, and hey, that's why I, I say that. I go, hey, man, I work for options, right? The option to retire early, the option to not work double jobs, the option to, you know, whatever that may be. And that's what you work for. Yeah. I think uh, one of the big things right now is like the nurse. I don't know how it is in fire, but I know with nursing, there's a big talk of nurse burnout. And like predictions, I think just today, Josh posted something that was talking about, what was it? 600,000 nurses leaving the field of nursing within the next however many years. I think it was five years or something, but. Five years. Yeah. Did you experience it? I mean, you said you loved it, so it doesn't sound like you experienced any kind of burnout, but did you witness some of that in, in either fire or nursing or both? Oh, absolutely. You know, fire and nursing, nursing, um, we have a lot of things in common, a lot of crossover and burnover. Burn, burn, burnout is one of those. And you see certainly um, people react differently to burnout. Some are indifferent. They just come, do the job, check the box and go home. Others, you know, lash out at patients and coworkers. And you you know, we and we all kind of know who those people are, but we kind of keep quiet and isolate them. I was always the person, um, just my personality, where I would just go and kind of bring them in and bring them into the fold. And someone that someone maybe never wanted to go reach out to, I'd find a way to connect. But yeah, absolutely, Colin, man, it, I saw it. Luckily for me, I never um, fell into that in the nursing. And I think part of it is because I wasn't full-time. There was times I did full-time hours, believe me. I think I had the options. I had options. I didn't you know, other options within the fire department. I had a great family. I was coaching outside of work. I had my full circle in a holistic way. I was in a good place, even though I was working my tail off. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned earlier how you, right now you're setting yourself up to have as many options as possible. Like you're working, you're working hard so you can have more options. But when you were first getting started, having a lot of options is, isn't an option really. You're just working, you're burning the candle at both ends just so you can set yourself up for in the future. Um, how long did you feel like you were just working just to make ends meet until you felt like you started to have a few more options? Wow, that's a great question, man. There was times when I felt like, when am I going to get my break? You know, probably I had a, a, you know, a 10 year stretch where yeah, I was making good money. I was moving up the ranks, but I just wasn't making that big breakthrough. And I didn't know what it was. And I tried business. And then even with nursing there, you know, I had an opportunity to get promoted to be a supervisor. But when I ran it all out, I go, this is not going to get me to where I need it. And what really was the game changer was kind of, I want to say two things. One was my coaching business where I um, assist guys or, or firefighters to promote up the, up the ladder. So that was one. But the biggest one by far was real estate, starting real estate and buying real estate when I did at the time. And now I just think about those those properties I bought in 2017 and 16. And oh my God, just sitting there, you know, and, and I didn't know at the time, right. 
people always say, I'm going to wait. I, it's never, right? You buy real estate, then you wait. But I, I never know when something's going to happen. So uh, I find a way, if I can buy it now with my resources, I do it now, take advantage, because you just don't know what's going to, what has the potential of, uh, of it becoming. Yeah. And even back in 2018, everybody was kind of preaching the doom and gloom way back then. And I'm sure you, I'm sure you're exposed to it. And if, if you had listened to them, just, I mean, just think of what you would have missed out on. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. That was the year I resigned from nursing was 2018. And I mentioned it on the other podcast, but I had struggled and I was going to resign uh, from being a nurse, but I loved this so much. I made friends and everything else. We had a change in leadership. So our hospital network was being bought out or however, merging with this other bigger one. And they had some different standards on the people I had connected with had left. So there's new people who didn't know me. Um, and then they started making it really difficult for per DM to stay mm. um, on board with them. And so I, I looked at that as that was the signal. And so in two, and I want to say in um, April, April, March of 20. 2018, I resigned. And May of 2018, I bought my uh, first sixplex. And I bought that thing for like $170,000. That thing is worth like 800 plus now. You know? So I go, damn, when everyone else has said doom and gloom, I'm quitting a, a great paying job, secure job. Yeah, it may be my secondary job. People are like, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? You buy real estate now, and now I look like the genius, but I sure enough look like the jackass back then to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting that you say, because it's like, I can kind of resonate with, because uh, I'm actually currently not doing nursing right now. I uh, haven't been doing it since basically the beginning of 2022. And it was never about like the patient workload. It was never about like not enjoying the work. I love working with people. I love showing up to work. There's a big crew of people there you're hanging with, like, traumas were always like you know really exciting and like and you know what i mean not, not like not like it's a good but challenging like so i enjoyed all that but it always came down to like something with management and like in your case like not being able to pick up per diem yeah i left in 2022 and it was kind of the same thing it's like well what are you doing what are you leaving for and since then we've kind of gotten into property management and stuff but yeah i think it's like the time is never like perfect, but you just kind of got to make a, take a leap of faith. And it sounds like, it sounds like that's what you did. So with your investing in real estate, so that, that all started after leaving nursing, but while still doing the firefighting? No, no. So um, prior to that, I had already owned maybe like six other, I think seven, seven properties, seven uh, doors. Um, I had like three single families and a fourplex. And then I knew I wanted to just throw gasoline on and it just really charge. And that's when I made that, that decision. So, you, so before you even left nursing, you had seven total doors. So what, what did that look like? Cause you were doing full, full-time fire, full-time nursing and buying some real estate on the side. What talk and talk about that journey a little bit. Yeah. I was so pumped. You know, when you buy your first property <laughs> and you can see it and you do the math and you go, I can actually do this. I see a path. And you know, you get that feeling like I'm meant for more. I'm built for something greater than what I'm doing now. And that was what I felt. And so when I got into real estate, I saw a clear path to a goal that I thought that was really 
difficult, if not near and unattainable. And I saw it and, and I just figured, okay, if I buy this, then this, and, and it just worked. And I was in Florida, didn't realize that I was in a place that was going to grow so fast the way it did. But I just was, man, I was so pumped and so apt to try to do this because I could see it. I can work the numbers. Um, I didn't have to go back to school to get a master's degree. Meanwhile, um, hell, I was making more money than people with master's degrees. And not to put them down, but I'm just saying I found the path that worked for me. And it was so just motivating. And I didn't want to stop. I wanted more and more and more. Yeah, so kind of my deal. So did you go the route of where you're doing everything, you're doing 100%? If you get a call at 10 p.m., you're the one that goes and fixes it? Or how did you set yourself up to where you were able to handle so many things all at one time? Yeah, so at the beginning... I really, my fire, the firefighter in me really sets boundaries and structure. Uh, and one of that was um, really, uh, I don't want to say training because that sounds demeaning, but informing my tenants of the rules and expectations. And I would sit down one-on-one and have a clear conversation. Anytime I sat with someone and had that conversation, it, it pretty much went well. And at the beginning, maybe it was luck, but I really didn't have any problems. I quickly got out of the role of doing everything. I mean, quickly. And that was by, I think some of it's luck, some of it was me, that I connected with a couple of people that really resonated and they wanted to take on that additional responsibility. And to this day, I still, I'm still with two of, two of those folks. And um, when we talk about continuing to grow the empire and they're actually waiting for me to retire, they're like, come on, man, when are you going to retire so we can really push this thing? <laughs> So then, so then you hired property managers pretty quickly. Is that what you did? Well, maybe half of my portfolio leading up to that, I had property managers. I have, yeah, I had property manager. Oh, I really only owned two, two out of the seven. The rest I handled myself at the beginning. And then I really um, engaged with my, uh, my handyman. So my handyman was almost like my my partner, but he also my handyman. So he would fill fill a lot of those calls um, that would come in. At the beginning, we gave him, we gave the tenants his number. There's anything um, that maintenance require, you call him. Don't call him for anything related to pay and anything like that. He called me. So we were able to split those phone calls. And then eventually we streamlined it. And so now I don't take any of those. Those go through the, uh, through the app, the Rent Ready app. Oh, that's, <laughs> Just kind of a side note here. How are you enjoying the Rent Ready app? <laughs> I'm I'm loving that thing. I'm telling. When I think about how much money I used to spend on property management, and I still what I did, um, I still have when I transferred the money at the. I wanted usually we do our transfers like about the tenth after all the rents come in. I still have the line item that I used to pay the property managers, and what I do is I just transfer it to myself. Right. But I wanted to keep that. And just, it's always a reminder that this is what I used to transfer that to them that the software does now, you know, it's crazy, you know, nuts. <laughs> so was the plan to just supplement the income originally with the real estate? Cause it's that you said you started doing it while you were doing the nursing. Were you wanting to get out of nursing or were you just trying to supplement your income? At the beginning, um, I was just excited about buying real estate and I wanted to, the first thing was just to offset that income, the income that I was making as a nurse, because I just wanted to have more free time. 
I didn't know what free time was. And I wanted to just, you know, so let me back up. So to be, the goal was to just um, offset the nursing. So I didn't have to work nursing. And then, and then after that, I was just going to go, okay, could I replicate what I make in the fire department? That was the next goal. And if I could say, okay, passive income is coming in that matches the fire department, that's pretty damn good. You know what I mean? Wasn't even thinking about the wealth component at that time of how much everything appreciated, what my net worth swelled up to be. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's cool to hear from somebody like you, because obviously it's not like you're just trying to get out of this for like, because you don't want to work anymore. You're not trying to work hard. You clearly like working hard, but it's just, it's just that time thing. Like just having the time, you have a family, you have other things you're passionate about. And that's kind of the power of real estate or whatever investing you do is that it frees up that time. So you can, you can pursue things that you're passionate about. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you mentioned you bought your first six plugs back in 2017 and at the, at the same time as kind of when you scaled back or quit nursing, I assume at that point you hadn't replaced your nursing salary. So there was probably a bit of a disconnect or a little, a little leap of faith as Colin put it earlier. So how, how did stepping back from nursing, how did that accelerate your nursing career? Because, or not your nursing, sorry, your real estate investing, because it sounds like you were able to do quite a bit more after you finally, or not finally, but after you kind of scaled back a little bit. Yeah, that's that's true. And and I talk about it. I bought my bandwidth back. I had time to think, you know, because, you know, when you're working two full time jobs or nearly two full time jobs and then with all your other obligations, when do you have time to think, you know, you become fatigued, your willpower drains. So when I didn't have to go to nursing, I didn't realize you know, you get used to doing it so much and then you remove it. You don't realize how much time you got. You know, I've been so used to working with this small amount of time. So I really bought my bandwidth back by quitting uh, or resigning from nursing because, like you said, no, I hadn't at that time fully replaced it. But to think about, I wasn't actually physically going out and spending those hours in DR anymore. Now my properties are working for me on their own without me doing anything, you know? So it was kind of great. I was able to think and really push forward with my goals and, you know, I really started tracking my net worth and going, wow, I can't believe it. And, and I, I accidentally discovered back then that I was uh, you know, a millionaire and I was like, wow, I didn't even know it. Well, I had time to start wanting to put in everything. I'm like, whoa, honey, guess what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just it's crazy. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my journey. <laughs> yeah. So I, as I mentioned right before we started this conversation is um, most nurses don't ever imagine becoming a millionaire. And it sounds like it kind of accidentally happened on you. So what, what, what's one word of advice you would give to nurses right now that have never even thought of becoming a millionaire, but everybody's always like, oh, I, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. Well, getting millionaire status will probably kind of cater to some of those dreams that you've had. So what, what's something that you would tell a nurse that, that has big dreams, but never really imagined becoming a millionaire per se? I could say it's possible. You know, like some of the things I would say, if anything, it's possible, Right. And you go, but I don't know how. Well, sometimes you don't know right away. Sometimes it accidentally smacks you an opportunity. I'll tell you what, my um, my oldest son, he played college football and he did nursing. So he got out and he was a nurse and, you know, and yeah, he's making decent money. And then COVID hit and you know what? They started paying nurses through the roof. Right. So then he decided to continue and he made a boatload of money, money traveling all over the country. So you just don't know. State of course, know that it's possible. Don't give up on your hopes. And 
go and meet people, get out, go to some of these masterminds that may be kind of adjacent to what you're doing. So like my, my meetup group, for instance, is it's literally called Sirens and Shrubs, right? <laughs> because those are the people, those are my people. But, I, but at the end of the day, anyone can come, but there's nurses on there, firefighters, police officers, and they're just, we're around each other. And you realize, wow, it's possible. And that's the thing I tell people, it's possible. Don't discount yourself because you're not. Be good at what you do, be a professional, get around other people. And sometimes luck runs right into you if you're standing in the way, you know? So most people, they go, they just move themselves out of the way, take themselves right out of the game, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about sirens and scrubs for for a little bit. What caused you to want to start something like this? Did you go to somebody else's meetup and you're like, oh, this is powerful. I want to start one back back at home, or or what kind of led you to begin to even want to do something like that? Yeah, so uh, you know, you hear it on all the podcasts, and you know, that's a great way to connect with people. And I've always been a guy where people you know call for for different reasons, um, advice or whatever the case. So I had a big network already. But they were calling me at random times. I would meet people at a coffee shop. My profile's on bigger pockets. So I would get people that, hey, can we go for coffee? You know, so I'd go for coffee. But I was finding myself going, you know, I was all over again with a tight schedule. So I said, what if, what if I just make one location, one date, one time, make it consistent? If you want to come talk to me, I'm there. We can have a beer. We can eat great food and we can have a great conversation. And so, what really pushed it over the edge is I had went to saw a lo- another local, um, just up the road a little north of me, uh, and I saw he did one, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I think I might have heard a podcast or something, and uh, I was just fired up already, and I said, you know what? The hell with it. And my wife, she was so concerned. She said, well, honey, what if no one comes? I go, honey, if no one comes, we like this brewery. We, so we get a beer and we eat and we go home. What? So what? They don't want free advice from someone who is doing what they want to do. Okay, I'll go home. It was overwhelming. We had we've had good crowds ever since, and it's just good. And I don't, I don't, you know, I, it's just there. I don't sell anything. Um, I have friends of mine that come there that are mortgage brokers, real estate agents, and uh, title title officers. So. So what did that first meetup look like and, and how did you get people to, how did you make aware of your, your network to even, to even show up? So what I did is since I already had a, a presence and I'm slowly being intentional about building my presence on social media, cause I just, I have one, you know, you, one of those guys that's connected, but you don't really worry about connected on the social media. Well, my business coach said, yeah, you got to start at least trying to get that out. So anyhow, I knew that I had social media and I had um, the meetup app. They, they do a good job of putting your, your stuff. So meetup.com is the app I use. And, and I don't know on your, your side of the country. I think meetup still works over there too. But yeah, just go on one of those apps. They've already figured out the algorithm and what to do to get people's attention. And you just create. And you know, I think I pay maybe a hundred and something dollars a, a year. To, to be able to host on there. And all that is, it's information. It pushes it out. People get on there and they can join up. And when they join up, they get all the notifications. Anytime I go on and add pictures, you know, stuff like that. And then I take that link and I just throw it on my social media. Nothing crazy. I tell people, keep it simple, stupid. You know what I mean? Don't, don't overcomplicate things. 
I, I know you said that you aren't looking for anything from this. Like this is just like a meetup for people to get together, have good beer, have good food, whatever. But has have you had any deals come from these meetups or partnerships or anything like that? Yeah. So not for me, but for some of my students, they've um, partnered up with people. And I don't know if a deal went through yet, but from the advice been given, um, we've had several people do deals on their own. Uh, and a lot of that's just giving them the courage. You know, they want something to bounce off. So they'll bounce things off of me or they'll um, tell me what their fears are and I will dispel them and I remind them of the different ways you make money. It's not just in cash flow. You know, I think that encouragement, um, that safe environment, they pull the trigger. And we had recently, we had a student that had came and I had known him a long time and we were able to help him. And um, he bought a place up in Tallahassee. So um, it's pretty exciting to, to hear the stories. Um, but yeah, I, I personally have not done a deal with anyone there. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just just the, the way it's been so far. But I'm sure it'll come. I'm, I'm a man of consistency. Uh, you know, like I said before, it took 10 years before I really popped and figured out what I wanted to do. And then it just, you know, it just happened. Did you plan for this to be more of a real estate meetup? Or you said it's, it's Sirens and Scrubs. Did you meet? Did you mean for it to be just kind of healthcare people just coming together, community, just becoming a community and having you know people to talk to, or did you imagine it being a real estate meetup from the start? No, it, it legitimately says on Cyrus and Scrubs real estate meetup group. So my avatars at the beginning were my circle, you know, firefighters, anyone, public safety, nurses, and then it quickly, you know, you put real estate in there, quickly um, turned into people outside of that. It was funny. People would come. I'm not a nurse, but can I sit in? I'm like, absolutely. Come on in here, you know? But at least I was able to kind of target, you know, my avatars at the beginning. And then we've never closed the door, but it's broadened out. So we've gotten a lot of people from different industries that come down. And what was the, when was the first time you hosted this meetup? I want to say September. I think it was September of 2022. So okay. I didn't even know um, in September, I get an alert and it says your one year anniversary. So I turned around to the group. I'm like, hey, guys, you're coming. It's a one year anniversary. I think I bought everyone drugs or something. But yeah, it's uh, it just came so quick. But, you know, I look forward to that every month. And it's just literally one day you pick it. For me, it happens to be the first Thursday of every month. And so there's consistency. And you will see that throughout me. There's something that, you know my life, I, I value consistency. So every Tuesdays, excuse me, every Thursdays, 6.30 to 8.30. And usually we're past 8.30 because we're having such a good conversation. But it's just cool helping people, you know, and uh, it gives us something to do on a, on a boring Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how many people did you have in your most recent one compared to your first ever? So my most recent one, I probably had like 20 something people. Okay. Yeah. 20 something people, something like that. Yeah. And then the first one, I probably, probably had about the same. Yeah. I probably had more of that first one. You know, it was new, everything, you know, and then after people start coming, some will come this one and then I'll get a big group to come the next one, you know, okay. and, and there's summer months and uh, it's difficult. Holiday months is difficult because people have family in time in town, but uh, I have no, um, no expectations. So when I come, I am always prepared for there to be anyone. And so if one person's there, it's good for that person that, that we've had that. That's what I prepare for. And so I'm calm. I, you know, I'm giving free advice. <laughs> yeah. 
And is this all down in Florida? Yeah, this is in Florida. Okay. Yeah. So with your day-to-day kind of now with your business, what's that looking like with the real estate? Man, that's a great question. Dude, I'm going to tell you, um, 2023 has been my toughest year in business for a number of reasons. You know, you can look at everything right now, you know, the interest rates and stuff like that. But it's just difficult for people right now. We've had more vacancies than we've ever had. Now, some of that is because we're cleaning up some of the work from a previous property manager um, that we had. And so those problems have all been her previous tenants. So we're down to, I want to say two more and it will be good. But it all kind of just collided. That's why it's so important. And you've heard people talk about having reserves. You've got to have reserves. Because if I didn't have reserves, I'd have to close up. I literally had, I mean, I run like a 90-some percent occupancy rate. We never have vacancies. And then just by chance, someone's father died, so she can't afford to rent by herself. Like things that had was out of people's control all happened like in a three-month span. And on top of that, rehabbing stuff and replacing this and replacing a water heater. This year has been tough. And I think also is because I transitioned to a day job. As a firefighter, I normally work 24 hours on, 48 hours off, but now I'm working full-time days. So it's really hard for me to have the block of time off to do a lot of the work that I used to. So I'm really reliant on my team now. But thank goodness we put that in place way back then. So now, all right, now it's almost like we we activated it. We had the system in place, but I was still kind of there in the middle. And then now that I'm not there as much, they've already had the, um, you know, a chance to practice, so to speak. They've already taken their snaps, the reps. So now they're able to just take it and they've amazed me with what they've done without me. And usually I'm only there for big questions. You know, if it's a, a big question, a big decision, they'll call me. Other than that, they run day to day, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's great. One of our first four fourplexes that we bought, I wanted to do the property management just to get the experience and know how to do it. We had we had one vacancy for a couple months and it started making me nervous. And and I let somebody in that I should not have let in and we were pay, we paid for it for the next six months. But I can speak to the vacancy issue because after you see an empty unit for a few months, we... Personally, I started getting nervous. I was like, oh man, we need, like, we're missing out on a thousand bucks a month every month that somebody's not in there. But then I went and put somebody in there that shouldn't have been there. And then we paid the price for the next six months instead. So, all right, or not hiring, but uh, getting the right tenants in there is, is the most important thing you can do. And oh my goodness, you're so right. And you're going to have people that in your team or in your circle that says, hey man, just what's taking so long? And you just got to, you know, be consistent. Hey, they don't meet our criteria. Don't change your criteria to fit someone, right? Ask me how I know. (laughs) Don't do it. You know, you're going to pay. At the end of the day, you're going to pay for it. And so I have one property that I had to write a check to and pay the mortgage on because it was empty, right? That freaking sucked. But I know, had I done it, I put the other person in, I would have been writing more of those checks. So I got a great tenant in now. Everything's cool. It would just, you know, cost of doing business sometimes. That's why you have reserves. You know, at the end of the day, what I tell people, it didn't go to waste. You know, I just, you know, paid down my loan, increased my equity and, you know, and play defense a little bit if you're watching football. You know, yeah. it's not all about offense. 
Yeah. So, so you, are you, so you're doing real estate investing. Are you like, are you all in on real estate? Are you doing any other kind of investing? I know I'm, I mess with stocks a little bit, learned a few valuable lessons and I don't do that anymore, <laughs> but what are you doing to, <laughs> as far as investing? Is it just real estate or is there anything else? Yeah. You know, um, I toured around with some stocks and I play in it through like my work you know, sponsor programs and I'm just, you know, dollar cost averaging. I'm just always in. So I don't mess around with any single stocks or anything. I did dabble. I did do okay back in like 2010-9. I just figured, you know what, I'm just going to find my niche and uh, just straight up long-term rentals. And um, I got a couple. We have two short-term. That's where I like to be. That's that's the area I like to play in and um, play well there. And so you know, when you try to stretch out too much, you got to be careful. And not to say that everyone, you can't do it, but with me running, you know, working a full-time job, I really had to say, okay, less is more. And so for me, less has been more. And and guess what? My wife's been like telling me the whole time, don't do that. Don't do that. Right. And so now as I'm shedding stuff, I almost bought like three businesses. I mean, I was just close, man. That was through GoBundance, you know, listen okay. to that. I wanted, that's my, uh, still on my, still on my bucket list. To buy brick and mortar, and so I know how to analyze it completely. But I stepped back because I had too much on my plate, and I, you know, it was the whole less is more, and uh, you know, kind of where we are right now. But 2023 has been a tough year, but it's had let me step back to really see where I want to go in the next two to five years. So yeah, that's where so we what are. is your what does your entire portfolio look like right now? So we are at 35 um, doors and that's spread out through three states, Florida, Oklahoma, and Michigan. And those are a mix, single family, uh, multifamily, the largest multifamily being the sixplex, and then the, the short term in, in Orlando and the short term up in St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. Sounds yeah. like you got a lot of brick and mortar right there. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. But you, you want to play a, you want to play the business game a little bit too. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My wife said that to me. I go, yeah, honey, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so speaking of your wife, is she, um, is she involved in the business in any way in the real estate or how are you guys doing that? Yeah. So, you know, I, at the beginning, I really wanted her to be involved more. And I think when I look at it, it was, I wanted her to take responsibility of things to take off my plate. As I realize that um, you can't do that. If if someone doesn't want that responsibility, you, you're gonna damage your relationship. And um, that's the one thing I didn't want to do. So I learned the hard way. So my wife will gladly help me. Uh, I just can't make her responsible on a consistent basis for it. Um, and so what I did is I built systems around it, and I made other folks responsible for it. So I have different people that run different segment segments of of the business. And they have a financial incentive because you're, you can't, what are you going to say? I'm going to pay your wife. It's all hers anyway. So there's no, there's no incentive there monetary, um, but she will help me like with the scheduling. And when we sit down, she helps. She's part of my think tank. And if I need her to go do things. So she has gotten involved a lot more lately, especially this year, um, because I'm not as available. And we were just talking about this today. I had to go and look at one of my properties. We, um, we're going to do a rehab on it. And um, I was talking to my property manager, not my property manager, excuse me, my, my main contractor slash handyman. And he was saying that he's been talking to my wife a lot more now uh, because I'm just, I'm not as available. So it's kind of, kind of how we are right now. So uh, listening to some of your other stuff that you've done, 
it seems like you put a huge value on family and your wife, most importantly. So kind of speak to that a little bit, because there, there's a lot of people that want to do stuff, but they're not completely 100% in agreement on what they want to mm-hmm. do. So kind of speak on that a little bit. Like, how did you and your wife decide what you were going to do? And how did that benefit? How quickly and how, 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 yeah, how quickly you're able to grow your business? Yeah. So my wife is so supportive of me, but like a, a lot of women, they're, you know, they're a little bit, their tolerance for risk isn't as high as men. And, and we know that's just fact. That's why insurance companies charge us more. We have higher premium insurance premiums than men. So we tend to take more risk than her. But I think we have a good balance. My wife, she knows that I've been successful in a lot of other areas. And there's times where I don't listen, right? I just don't, right? And sometimes I'd say most of the times it's paid off that I didn't listen. But two big times I shouldn't have listened to her, I did. And so I had to walk in kind of like, you know. But uh, I, I think... I value her and our relationship over everything, right? And she knows she's the most important person, even more important than my kids. Because guess what? Right now, all our kids, we're empty nesters. Our kids aren't here, right? So imagine if you treat your wife a certain way for 20-something years and you, you don't put her at the top. Now the kids are gone and it's just you two, right? So I've always made that a primary focus. And even the kids know that. They they could say, it. we know dad, mom is more important than us. We know. I go, yeah, but you're in the next ring. You know, <laughs> I go to the bullseye. Only mom and I are in the bullseye. You guys are in that next ring. Then my parents are in the next ring. I go, I have very clear boundaries. I think I told you that earlier as a, as a fire chief and being in the fire service, we have to have those, those circles, right? Where there's times that we can be someone's friend, but now I have to be your supervisor and discipline you. So being able to transition from the roles uh, is, is, is a big thing. I, I don't even know if I answered your question, Josh. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, that's all right. I mean, I just wanted to bring out the value of, of being on the same page because there's, there's a lot of people, like, like you said, like I'm 100% more risk-taking than my wife, but she brings a good balance. I think where people run into the issue is where if they're just not on the same page and they're not com- communicating well, and that works with every partnership, not just a marriage but just, just how key communication is. And you need to be communicating the entire time rather than just doing, doing your own thing. All right. So we're going to, we're going to step into our, our final segment here. We call it the final four. So it's four questions that we ask everybody here. We'll start with the first one. What is a top financial resource that you found for nurses, whether it's book, podcast, whatever, whatever type of resource? Well, wow. um, for me, books have been the, the way, right? Now there's podcasts and everything, but for me, I'm still an old school. I think when you get in the book, you get so intimate, you know, cozy with the book. Um, but I think one of the first books, you know, obviously everyone says Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But I think a big one for me was Dave Ramsey, The Total Money Makeover. That really set the foundation for everything for me, taught me about money and paying attention Gary Keller's um, millionaire real estate investor. Those those three are my top three. So books to me, I think opens this. this you can listen to a podcast and it's fleeting. It come in and go out, you know. But you get a good foundation of books, and then you can doggy hear those things, write all over it, leave it somewhere where you see it, you know, and pick it up every so often. So to me, books were a game changer. Is is there one book that you read before you bought your first investment property? Was it Robert Kiyosaki or did you have something else? So I read Robert Kiyosaki years ago and I was like, who is this guy? No, who, who does that? 
right? It didn't, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't click with me, but time it wasn't there. But then you really um, just believe it out here in Ramsey, even though he says not to use debt, right? I still knew I wanted to buy a property. Then I eventually got around to um, around to using leverage to my advantage. His books were powerful. I even went up there and did my debt-free scream and everything. My wife and I became totally debt-free um, because of Dave Ramsey. So I know people say, you know, he don't listen to him, listen to Kiyosaki, but he's the foundation. And then Kawasaki is the accelerator, you know? So that's what I'd say. Definitely, yeah. And they, they speak to different people. Like not everybody is is structured, I guess, enough to handle debt. So I think I think Dave speaks to a completely different avatar, but they both have their their purpose. For sure. I think Kiyosaki one time said, if you're an idiot, listen to Dave Ramsey. He's you know how, yeah. you know how <laughs> Kiyosaki I know how if you're an idiot with money, he's like, listen to Dave Ramsey or something along those lines. But yeah. not not calling you no, out, no. obviously, but <laughs> I know, I know. Because <laughs> I'd hear it and I'm like Okay, <laughs> he's just a funny guy, Kiyosaki. But so on to the next question. Um, you could you could take this either as a new firefighter, or as a new grad in nursing. But what would you tell yourself as a new grad? Yeah, so I say when you come out, when you're in that role, whatever role you're in, be present in that role. So, for instance, we're all distracted. We're doing different things. But I tell you what, when I clocked in as a nurse, believe I was a nurse, and I would tell my guys all the time. You're not a firefighter. You can't. You got to walk in here and be a professional, be a nurse. And then when you leave out of there and you're in the fire department, you're a firefighter. You need to to really, you know, be a professional and know clearly what role you're in and not cross those over. Because a lot of times that would offend nurses or, um, you know, because they're like, oh, in the field, we would do this. You're not in the field. You're a nurse. Be a nurse. Take it seriously. Do not walk in there and go, oh, well, you know, this is my side job. You never heard me say that, right? I think really whatever you're doing, do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. I think that's something that we all hear all the time. And it, it when you're in your position, you're like, oh, what in the field we do this. That there's probably that probably bothered me more than anything else. It's like, because <laughs> you're right, we're not in the field right now. <laughs> like, all right. So we'll go to the third question here. So what is your big goal for the next 12 months and what can we do to help you get there? Wow. That's a good one, man. That's a good one, Josh. You know, I'm trying to find clarity right now. And that's the big thing for me. Even was a big challenge for me um, when I was at the uh, mastermind down in uh, Santo Domingo with Jamie Gruber, with Dominican Republic, excuse me, is trying to really find clarity because I think right now I built myself so many options that I don't know which one I want to choose. So I'm peeling back that onion um, one layer at a time to figure out what I want to do. And that's in both sides. That's do I want to continue building my portfolio with the fire department? Do I, I mean, excuse me, with the, in the real estate or do I want to continue climbing the ladder uh, within my fire department? And those two have been really weighing on me this year. So I think for me, the biggest thing, and I don't have a, an exact answer, but finding clarity is what I really want to do. And I'm, and I'm about eight months into this process of trying to figure out what I want to do. I don't know if I answered that well enough, but it, it really is that way to me right now. I just, I just don't have a definite answer on where I want to go. And that's really hard for me because I'm a person that's very decisive. Um, and right now I'm like, do I sell a little bit? Do I 
do I sell it all? You know, I start over and build it up again. Do I refinance and pull out? Did you have you guys ever heard the millionaire real estate investor by Gary Keller? There's four things he talks about in that book. He talks about think a million, buy a million, own a million, receive a million. And so the last one is what I was working on. So I said, should I just should I just refinance a bunch of my stuff and have a million plus dollar check just to say I did it, you know, just to, just to check those boxes. Is that something to do? Because then, then that tells my kids or whoever else, this is possible. Like a legit million plus dollar check sitting in your account. Not what you're worth sitting in there, right? That'd be pretty damn cool, huh? So anyhow, that concept I got out of that book. <laughs> me and me and one of the guys I went to nursing school with, we both, before we started actually investing in real estate, we both made a deal with ourselves. We're like, all right, the first person that has a million dollars sitting in the bank, like not, not like you said, net, net worth of a million, that's something, but it's not nearly the same. So he said, first, we decided first person with a million in the bank, we're giving $50,000 to some some cause, who knows, like... I'd, right now, I'd probably be like Tim Tebow's foundation or something like that. But either way, first person with a million dollars in the bank, which is a completely different ball game. That's right. That's right. And who knows? That may be what I, you know, what I end up doing. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, again, I, like I said, I'm just trying to find clarity this year. That's that's really the big thing for me in 2023 because I wanna I wanna get 2024 off once I make these decisions and just start building and growing again. Yeah. Well, I think in the uh, in in light of being more decisive, what is one thing? Because us being the investing RN, RN for nurse, but also for uh, right now, what is one thing you would tell nurses that they can do right now to change their financial outlook? And I'm going to go back to the theme I've been saying is start reading. Like, there's no reason you can do that right now. So if there's one thing I would say is read. The next thing is get out and network. And it sounds cheesy. Just log into any um, real estate around you or something like that meetup group and go get next to people who are doing it right because you're gonna you're gonna um, synergize each other right and so I think those two and you could do those those are free those are easy get into the forums um, on bigger pockets listen to some of the, um, the the webinars so those things are free they could have flown down like you know what take a leap of faith and fly to a conference. Where it's so so big, it pulls you out of your comfort zone that, you know, the act of you doing that rips you away from that, that if you had been in a a state where you're just frozen and not taking any action, you do that, I think you're ready. You know what I mean? I would encourage that. And that's something I think I'd really light a fire on somewhere. All right. So we have a bonus question. This is like the overtime question, I guess. (laughs) So, So, all right. What's, so what's your the biggest financial mistake that you've made and what did you learn from it? Cool. I tell you what, excuse me. That one made me call. <laughs> so my so many of them. <laughs> my Oklahoma, right? So this was in 2022. I had um ventured out to Oklahoma and my wife said, Don't go over there. We don't know anyone. I go, honey, that, that didn't stop us from going to Michigan. We flew over there and like we do, we fly over, we make the connections. From our end, we did everything we could do. 
Then there were some things that happened that uh, we didn't predict. I use hard money. Uh, so I actually, it was more like a, what do we call those? Almost like a bridge loan. So I had, I, I, that's what I did. So I, I bought one property. I bought three at one time. Well, it staggered them. So I bought the first one, all cash. And then for the other two, the down payment was collateralized with the, with the, other, with the property I bought in cash. So I didn't put anything down. Right. So it's going to be great. You know, we'll get in there. We'll rehab them. We can rehab all three of them within three months, refinance, pull my cash back out and there'll be, you know, cash flowing. Well, what we didn't know is that the Fed was going to start increasing interest rates around that same time. So two things happened. My contractor that I vetted wasn't exactly what he, who he said he was. Right. So instead of it taking Two to three months, it took, I'm going to say six, seven months, right? So now that those interest payments started to kick in, right? They started to be longer. So I ended up losing, I would say, by the time I refinanced, by the time I paid the closing costs, paid the six months uh, of interest plus the three months or so that I would have been getting rent from. And then also keep in mind, the appraisal started sagging because the confidence and the real estate market started to go down. Hmm. So they all were about 20,000 below what I had anticipated them to be. So I probably lost about 120,000 on paper, on paper. So that was a big lesson for me. And you go, well, how do you prevent that? I don't know. I mean, I thought I did everything I could. I vetted as much as I can, but I think again, have a reserves, right? Because you're going to make a mistake here or there, but it, it shouldn't it shouldn't stop you from, you know, for pursuing whatever your lofty goal is. Yeah, that, that was my costly mistake. <laughs> All right. And where where can people find you? You said you're trying to get out on socials and expand your network in the in that atmosphere. But yeah, where can people find you? How can they uh, follow you on on socials? Um, I think the primary place that people can find me is on Instagram at rickyrod.com. I mean, what is it at Ricky Rock? No, it's just at Ricky Rock. <laughs> yeah, I never know. My daughter helps me out. So it's R-I-C-K-E-Y-R-O-D. So it's just at Ricky Rock, all one word. And everything is up there. Um, you know, they could find, you know, our social media stuff, um, different events. I even put up our meetup group stuff there. So that's kind of my one spot. Kind of keep it simple. <laughs> Sounds good. Everybody go follow him at, at Ricky Rod on Instagram and everywhere else, I guess, wherever you are. <laughs> cool, Matt. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for Absolutely. all the all the sound advice. And thank you. We look forward to talking to you guys again so, someday. Absolutely. All right. All right, Colin. Be good, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Investing RN. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to share this episode with one other person and follow us on Instagram at investingrn.co if you have any other questions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Your input is super valuable and we love hearing from our listeners. Until next time, remember, your financial well-being is a journey and we're here to guide you every step of the way. Keep investing in yourself and your future.